Thank you, Tanya. Thank you, team. I think your bug's catching, uh, Tanya. I suddenly felt myself losing my voice as I sing. So. Uh, the series I'm starting tonight, uh, Is God Green? Jeremy said, is it a new series? It's a new series. I have preached on uh, the environment before, but this is uh, a new series. So... If it's a short sermon uh, this week, it's because uh, I can only type half as fast, so uh, <laughs> very frustrating uh, typing. We're going to continue uh, a series on money and sorting out our finances, and today looking at sorting out priorities, and I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure in heaven where they'll never become moth-eaten or rusty and where they'll be safe from thieves. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. Your eye is a lamp for your body, a pure eye lets sunshine into your soul but an evil eye shuts out the light and plunges you into darkness. If the light you think you have is really darkness, how deep that darkness will be. No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food, drink, and clothes. Doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? Look at the birds, they don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because your heavenly Father feeds them and you are far more valuable to him than they are. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. So why why worry about clothes? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? You have so little faith. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, and he'll give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. God, may we hear your word. May we understand your word. And may, God, your word transform what we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we had a look at three broad principles concerning money. As uh, Paul was talking to Timothy uh, about um, the big picture. And the big picture in terms of money, um, the three things he points out. First of all, everything is God's. We, we don't actually own anything. It's on loan from God. We, we can't take it with us when we die. And then Paul points out that money can lead us into traps. And one of the big traps in New Zealand today is that of uh, consumer debt. Uh, We have a very high level in New Zealand of consumer personal debt. Uh, We're sucked in so easily by um, the credit ads, you know, have it today, 
uh, pay later. Uh, and the Bible warns us about getting sucked into such debt. And the third principle we had a look at that Paul talks about is uh, the faith test, that actually money is so powerful that it can actually lure us away from God. Money competes with our, uh, for our allegiance with God. And Paul says that actually money, or the love of money, is such that actually we can lose our faith over it. So that's three very big sort of broad sweeps uh, when it comes to money. But today we're looking at the nitty-gritty. What do we do with the stuff? What does the Bible say about priorities uh, in spending? Now, if you think about it, there's really only five things that you can do with money. Uh, you can spend it, you can repay debt, you can pay taxes, you can save it, you can give it away. So in broad brushstrokes, uh, that's five things you can do with money. I think I once um, photocopied a um, $100 note, uh, which is illegal, uh, and, and then burnt it in front of the church, and it was terrible. So you could destroy it as well. Um, people were aghast as I burnt the $100 note. But anyway, um, there's really only five things you can do with money. Uh, so the issue is, what is the priority order? Uh, how do we order these five things you do. Now, for most people, taxes is out of the question. You sort of got to pay your taxes, comes out automatically. Uh, for most people, maybe on provisional tax, um, it's a bit more tricky. Um, for a while there, I did Ros's taxes and she was paying provisional tax and it's a nightmare. <laughs> um, but um, it's a real pain because you got to save it up and pay it later. So it's a real, real hassle. Um, but for most people, the priority is to spend money. Uh, then they repay debt, uh, they have to pay taxes, uh, we save a little, and we see what's left over to give away. So we often end up uh, saving and giving, uh, numbers four or five, we do that with what is left. The impact of that is twofold. The first is that we rob ourselves of the future. Saving is saving for the future. We're robbing ourselves in the future. And secondly, we're robbing God and his kingdom of what's his. You know, it's insulting to give to God when God owns everything. It's insulting to give God the leftovers. It's a bit like you're having a special guest around for a meal, and uh, you just pull out the leftovers from, from last night's food. You wouldn't do that uh, for a special guest. You want to give them the best that you could. So why do we say to God, well, God, you know, I'm sorry, I've, I've paid my taxes and I've spent the rest, so this is all I can give you. What actually we're saying when we put giving uh, last is what we're saying is, God, I can't trust you in this area. Uh, we could be saying, God, I don't need you. I don't want you in this area. Ultimately, we're saying, God, I can't trust you. What God is saying is when we give to God in the kingdom first, we're inviting God to become involved in our finances. God promises to look after our needs as we prioritize and trust him in this area. And there's numerous passages that attest to this. Trust me in this area. Let's have a look at the passage we just read out. You know, uh, give to God first and I'll look after your needs. Don't worry. It's incredibly counterculture. We're familiar with the words, but we tend to dilute them because they're so uh, the antithesis of what we think. This passage we've just read talks about priorities. Doesn't ignore our needs. God knows our needs. The issue is one of priorities. We worry about our needs. 
And that worry is a reflection of the fact that we don't trust that God will provide for us. So we put our needs and our wants first and God's kingdom last. And God's saying, trust me on this issue. Test me. I'll look after your needs if you put my kingdom first with your finances. So I suggest the order in terms of finances should actually look like this. Uh, We'll worry about the middle three in a minute, but the number one and five should be reversed. And number one should be giving it, number five should be spending it. This first one, the the first priority should be to give to God. Uh, The first check, the first direct credit, no one uses checks these days, the first direct credit, um, once we get paid, should go to the kingdom of God. The very first payment that we make when we get paid. The next question people say is, well, how much should I give? How much should I give? And uh, I'm not going to give you a figure. Uh, I don't think in the New Testament there's any uh, percentage figure given. So let me just do a bit of a, um, an aside from it on the whole issue of tithing. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, the Israelites were taught to tithe. Um, to give 10%. A tithe means 10%. Now, to understand this, you've got to understand the context of the Old Testament. So the Old Testament, there were 12 tribes of Israel. They're an independent nation. They didn't really have a central government. Uh, The central um, sort of governance was done by the Levites who uh, weren't apportioned any land. So when all the land was divided up, the Levites didn't get any land. Uh, And so they were supported by the other tribes. Uh, It was an independent nation, and uh, in a sense, they had a centralized worship system, the tabernacle, and then uh, the temple. And the Levites looked after and cared for all the ministry uh, that went on in the temple. Every third year, they paid an extra 10%, so every third year, they paid 20% uh, in uh, their tithe, which is very much like a tax, because there was no tax system. Uh, they paid 20%, and that extra 10% ran some kind of welfare system. Now, we're not quite sure how it worked, but it was to give to those uh, in need. Some people have argued there was a third tithe as well. So it's not clear, reading the Old Testament, uh, exactly how it worked. There was at least two tithes. Possibly um, there was a third. You get to the New Testament, you have a totally different context. First of all, there are no Levites. Uh, the, The Priest system has gone, so we're all described as priests, so there's no Levites to support. Uh, There was no central nation because uh, believers uh, were not only Jews, but um, from all the nations. So you don't have a a nation anymore, you don't have a centralized worship system um, because the temple system had gone and people worshipped in their homes and and, uh, different places. There's no temple to maintain. There are no instructions in the New Testament on tithing. Okay, the the main teaching on giving, which I'm going to have a look at next week because it's a great passage. It looks at a hard attitude. The main teaching is around giving to this big collection that they're taking up for uh, the believers in Jerusalem because there was a famine there. And so there's a lot of uh, uh, teaching on that. And I'll have a look at that next week because it really speaks to the heart. Now, I know that some church leaders will teach tithing. Uh, I, I personally think it's actually a misuse of Scripture. Um, 
It's just not there in the New Testament. How much, uh, and if you're going to go down a tithing line, are you going to give 10%, 20%, 30%? I've had three tithes. Um, there's all kinds of issues. How much you give is between you and God. Uh, we're not under law anymore. However, if we understand something of God and something of God's amazing grace and love, we will not want to be stingy. We'll want to give back to God because God has been generous to us. Let, let me tell you a story. Um, quite a few years ago, um, we had a little um, Ford Laser car. We bought it when we were down here um, at Eastside. Didn't have much money, but um, Ros and I were always arguing. We had just had one car. The kids were um, needing to be run around the place, and we were arguing about you know, who had the car. So it was causing lots of conflict. So um, we didn't have much money, so we decided we'd buy a little second car. So we bought this little Ford Laser, $1,200. And uh, we had it for about 10 years. And uh, then we drove it up to Topor. Amazingly, it survived. And uh, it was still running around up there. And then one day, someone in the church gave us a car. Not a flash car, but they gave us uh, their car. And uh, totally unexpectedly, just uh, generously gave us their car. And so then we had the issue of what do we do with this little Ford Laser? Um, because it just seemed wrong to sell it. Uh, it just didn't seem right. There was a lady in our church um, in Turpel by the name of Anne. She was a single mum, and she'd uh, been in the church for years. And uh, she did, we paid her, and she did the church cleaning. She'd done it for years. Um, she'd never got her license, and uh, she was too scared to try. But she really needed, her kids were getting older, and she really needed a car to get more work. And so uh, we decided we'd give the car to her on the condition that she get her license. Uh, well, she did. She was so excited about getting this car, this little Ford Laser, uh, and so she got her license and she started to get work. And uh, the Laser kept going for about another, I don't know how, but it kept going for another five years, uh, until eventually she was able to buy a car herself. And uh, then actually she gave the car to someone else. Now, the point of the story is not anything about us uh, at all. Uh, the point of the story uh, is this. Uh, that in the face of undeserved generosity, the only response was for us to be generous. You know, we couldn't do anything else. Um, anything else would just not have been right, but to give this car to someone else. In the face of God's undeserved generosity to us, the only response, the only right response is for us to be generous back. It's a bit like the man uh, in the story of the parable of the servants who had this huge debt uh, wiped out. And then it says that he held up some other guy who owed him 10 bucks. And uh, the parable, it says, that's not right. This is not right to do. We give generously in response to the generosity of God, to God's love, to God's undeserved grace. And in fact, you know, even in response to the fact that you're living here in New Zealand, because you didn't choose where you were born. You could have been born in Bangladesh. And the current average weekly wage in Bangladesh is $35 a week. Or you could have been born in Timor-Leste, where I visited a few years ago. Average wage there is $25. You didn't choose where you were born. In fact, you didn't choose to be born 
in the 21st century. I read an analysis this week that said if you are born or you live to die, that you're 10 times, that's 1,000% better off than if you'd lived 100 years ago. 1,000%, 10, 10 times better off than if you'd lived in 1918. You didn't determine when or where you were born. God has been good to us. Not only that, when we give to the kingdom, we're investing in something of eternal value. People one day will come to you in heaven and say, thank you, thank you for giving to the church. You know, I was a young person in the youth group. And because you gave to help finance a youth pastor or a youth program, I came to faith and I'm here today because of that. Thank you for giving to that missionary. I heard about Jesus because of them. Someone came to my village and told me about Jesus. Thank you for investing in that child sponsorship. If it wasn't for you, I would have ended up in the sex trade. See, anything else you can invest in will not stand the test of time. Your house will fall over eventually. Your cars will rust. Well, they don't rust these days, but they'll still end up being crushed. Um, anything else you can invest in doesn't last long. Now, you might say, looking at this list of priorities, what happens if I'm in, I've got lots of debt? Surely repaying debt should be number one and uh, not, uh, not giving it away. Uh, I think still number one should be at the top, even if it's token, even if it's a dollar. It'll be very small, but the principle remains Give to God first. And this is where the element of trust comes in. See, if I give to God first, can I trust there'll be enough left over for my needs? And trust has always been at the heart um, of this issue of giving. See, in the Old Testament, when uh, the Israelites were instructed to tithe, they were instructed to tithe their crops. Because they were basically an agricultural people. And so they would take the first portion of their crops uh, or their um, animals and give it to God. Now let's just imagine you're a farmer and you've got 10 fields. Now it's highly unlikely that you'd be very rich if you had 10 fields back then, but for argument's sake. Let's say you've got 10 fields and it comes harvest time. So you look out the window and it's a lovely fine day. It's uh, good weather for harvesting. So field one, you harvest field one. You collect all the grain and you put it in the barn. That's God's. You've set it aside, it's a tenth of your crop, you're giving to God. In doing that, the risk is that um, the, the next day it rains and destroys your crop. You don't know what's going to happen uh, the next day. You've only done the first paddock and uh, you're not sure quite what's going to happen. Some unexpected need might come up and you might need some of that money. But the principle is you set aside uh, that first paddock, because uh, it represents 10% of your crops, and you set it aside for God. You're trusting that God will provide for your needs. Whatever emergencies, whatever the weather does, whatever happens, you're trusting in God. The issue is always one of trust. And Jesus says, look, look at how I look after the birds. Look at how I clothe the lilies. The key is decide on a figure, or even better, decide, decide on a percentage, because our income tends to uh, always increase. So um, 
Decide um, between you and God on a figure or percentage, and that's going to be the first thing that you give to God. Don't hang on to it. Don't wait and see uh, whether the car breaks down or whether there's some other emergency. Give it to God and God first. Trust God uh, in that. How do we give first to the kingdom? What, what does that mean in practical terms? Uh, well, there's really, um, in, again, in broad brushstrokes, three uh, ways we can give to the kingdom. We can give to a church, we can give to a mission agency, uh, and we can give uh, to help those who are financially struggling. Uh, I would argue that your first priority should be the church you attend, where you're receiving uh, ministry uh, and uh, hopefully seeing fruit from uh, that church as well. Galatians 6.6 6 says, Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. I'm tempted to say what all good things might be. Uh, but <laughs> but um, 1 Timothy 5.17 says uh, a very similar thing. Give to the church uh, where you're fellowshipping, where you're receiving ministry. Now, when you give to, uh, say here, when you give to most churches, uh, some of that portion of that money goes to overseas mission, uh, as it does here. But you can also give to mission organizations and support those that are spreading uh, the gospel around the world. And then we can help those that are poorer and in need. All three uh, is what it means to give to the kingdom. Now, there might be other ways you can give as well, but that's three key ways. Now, let's have a look at the middle three priorities. We can save money. Uh, we need to save money. We need to set aside some money for the future. Um, we need to set aside money um, for retirement, for emergencies, because emergencies always happen. Um, we need to set aside money for those bigger items. So saving uh, is obviously uh, crucial. We uh, need to save for retirement because... Um, the older we get, the more, less likely it is that the government will <laughs> fund our retirement. So um, we need to pay taxes, although we have to do that anyway, and we need to repay debt. Now, if it's consumer debt, uh, as I talked about last week, if it's um, consumer debt is debt on a depreciating item, it's dumb debt, and it should be number two. All right, uh, that should be our first priority. If it's debt on a car, furniture, computer. It's dumb debt because the item is getting less and less in value and uh, we're paying interest uh, on that. So we should get rid of it as fast as possible. I mean, after that, it gets some complex issues. You know, should we save for retirement versus pay off our mortgage? And uh, so there's some arguments around uh, which way around you go uh, there. Um, technically, you should pay off your mortgage first um, because you pay more interest on it and most financial planners would, would argue that. But the reality is we need to do all three. And the order that you do, um, saving and, uh, and paying debt might depend on your personal circumstances. And yes, you need to pay taxes as well uh, in there. Number five is spend it. Once you've given a portion to God, you've paid taxes, you've paid off debt, you've saved some for the future, then you can spend the rest. You'll have trusted God with your finances, you're investing in the kingdom, You'll not have to worry about debt hanging over you. You'll have some money in the bank to deal with the future. The tax man won't be chasing you. You are free. You are financially free. But more than that, God promises that he will take care of the things we need, the things we worry about. 
I remember when we moved uh, from Eastside to Topol um, 15 years or so ago, and one of the things we were worried about was just the cost of living in Topol. Um, when we moved, houses were about double the cost that they were here. Um, food was dearer. It was just a dearer place to live. And we thought, can we actually afford to live in this place? And we saw God's provision for us in so many ways. We've seen God be faithful uh, to this passage. It does take self-discipline to stick to the priorities you see. It takes faith to put the kingdom giving at the very top of your priorities. I'm not suggesting it's easy. But the reality is, if we're not prepared to trust God with our money, then why would we be prepared to trust God with our lives? Take a minute to think about your priorities. Evaluate what order you have when it comes to your use of money. If you take those five and you're honestly to think about your priorities, what's the order for you? I want to put to you a challenge, and that is to allow God into your finances. And if this is new territory for you, then I invite you to try for three months, all right, a three-month trial. This is new territory for you. Decide on a percentage figure you're going to give to the kingdom. Make that the first direct credit that you have. Next, save some, repay debt, pay taxes, live on the rest, and see if God is true to his promise. And report back in three months about what God has done. If this is new territory for you, reflect back in three months and look back and say, what's been happening? Let's take a moment to pray. God, we acknowledge that we do find it hard to trust you with our finances. Uh, we want stuff now and don't want to wait for it. We do worry, Lord God, that we won't have enough. And God, we acknowledge too that we often invest our money in things that won't have any eternal value at all. God, I pray that uh, you would help us to trust you, to truly trust you with our finances, and to put, God, your kingdom first. You promise the God that you will provide. You will look after our needs. Help us to truly better trust you in this area. In Jesus' name, amen.